Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. It's Wednesday, the 20th of January. I'm Michelle Martin. We are seeing strong gains in Korea and Australia this morning. Not so much in Japan. Seoul is up about two thirds of a percent, adding to a rally that has seen the blue chip index there rise more than 30% over the past three months. Sydney, meanwhile, is up half a percent, but Tokyo is trending lower. This follows a night of strong gains in the US, where the Nasdaq jumped one and a half percent. All the while, Donald Trump has entered his last day as President of the United States. Joe Biden set to be sworn in in less than 16 hours. Joining me now to break down all the market action is Pan Jingyi. She's a senior market strategist over at IG. Good morning, Jingyi. Good morning, Michelle. Happy Wednesday. How has it been so far for you? Um, still really cold in here, so... <laughs> <laughs> Jingyi sitting in for Ryan and she'll be doing so uh, for the next week and a half. Well, good to have you here, Jingyi. Economists will tell you there are two types of factors that influence share prices, the macro and the micro, the big picture and the corporate results. Now, today, I have news on both fronts. Let's start with the macro and Janet Yellen's testimony overnight in the United States. We have a greater sense now of how the Biden administration may approach China, as well as the Arguments that it could use to push for the passage of that 1.9 trillion US dollar stimulus plan. First up, China, Yellen indicating that the Biden administration may continue Trump's tough line towards Beijing. She quoted abusive, unfair and illegal practices by China that are undercutting US firms. So Jingyi, what did you take away from Yellen's remarks? Yeah, well, so I think you actually mentioned the um, abusive, unfair, legal practice action need to be taken. I think it's really the question mark for the market at this point of time. But um, what I do see in terms of the market reaction is not too bothered by which both from U.S. markets overnight. And of course, here looking at Asia, you just mentioned as well, we've seen Australia and Japan, um, well, I should say Korea actually being up in the session. Um, now, I think, you know, that being said, I think what thing, one thing that stood out for me, at least with Janet Yellen's uh, comments is also you know there could really be this kind of reversion to more of this multilateralism as we have seen with the Obama administration just really well gathering more of these efforts together uh, to put pressure I think that itself is going to I think make for interesting uh, macro picture as we look at it going forward but you know in terms of how threatening this is to market I think it's not seen to be very material at this point yet. Mm, Separately Secretary of State nominee Anthony Blink is calling for a ban on imports from Xinjiang and a halt on exports to any companies that are linked to human rights violations there. In testimony to the U.S. Senate, Blinken said he agrees with the Trump administration that China's crackdown on Uyghurs and other minorities in Xinjiang is genocide. Jingyi, let's turn back to Janet Yellen. She's faced challenges from Senate Republicans over the size of the proposed stimulus package, as well as some specific components like the raising of the minimum wage. So do you see any signs that the $1.9 trillion package may receive bipartisan support? And do markets care whether the uh, package is passed entirely or perhaps chipped down? Yeah, funny you should mention the Blinken um, item first, because I think what we have seen from the Secretary of State nominee 
companies, that there will be more cooperation with the GOP. But on the other hand, for Yellen, with regards to this 1.9 trillion fiscal stimulus, I think that could really still see quite a bit of resistance coming through, just in terms of how massive this amount is, and um, in terms of well, the Republican support in the Senate itself. I think that's the question. Now, um, that being said, as well, I think yeah, there is of course I think still a recognition that more will be needed. So as you mentioned, you know whether we will be seeing this shave down, I think there is a potential over there, and that's what the market is concerned about. But so far, the overnight session, Yellen's comments, um, at well altogether have actually seen to markets still still taking a bit of a risk on um sentiment to start to the session here as well. You're seeing well at least with the energy prices, for example, they are actually up a little bit. I think on this comments, even though we've heard it all. Yeah, and we'll continue to monitor them. And it looks like relations between China and the US are set to remain fraught. Let's bring the discussions now to corporate results. Netflix is reporting a huge fourth quarter. The streaming media company now has more than 200 million subscribers and it's grown 6.6 US dollars in the last quarter. So I saw an interesting headline, Jingyi, on CNBC uh, that goes, Netflix and Disney are actually trading places. Netflix is becoming the old guard and Disney the upstart. What do you think of that? Yeah, well, so obviously Disney has been around for much longer, but I think really pertaining to this headline itself is looking very closely into the streaming services altogether. And we know that, well, Netflix, I think all of us cannot be spared talking about it. And that's really one of the common ones that is, well, seen around at this point of time. But Disney Plus really coming into the picture. I've even heard chatters from friends who are, you know, looking perhaps to get into that as well. So that's the kind of situation situation that you are seeing one um, Disney coming in to well challenge Netflix particularly in this view but I'd really uh, my take as well is that I think at this point of time just having the subscription service between these two I don't think you know people might actually you know choose between one or the other they might even take up both it's not I think come to the extent where you have to you know shave off some of these guys already um, but still I think definitely in terms of how that's going to rank it's going to be interesting Netflix also recognize that Disney um, did themselves actually find quite a surprise in terms of their subscribers. Um, and I think that altogether shows the kind of, well, comparison that we're going to continue seeing between these two. Yeah, and Netflix has stopped burning through cash and says it doesn't need to really rely on lenders to fund its new programming going ahead. And hopefully the outcome of, uh, you know, the new kid on the block versus the old kid on the block is more content for the rest of us. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Netflix officials, meanwhile, are indicating that they may use the company's profits to buy back shares. Is that a good strategy? Yeah, well, so... um I do think that with regards to Netflix, they've come a long way, particularly in terms of how they are actually trying to grow. And to a large extent, we haven't seen so much of these dividends coming through from them. Um, that with their money mostly being channeled to generate new content in order to drive the subscriber growth. So at this point of time, I think, you know, having the ability to actually have, you know, emerge into this kind of 
positive free cash flow situation and thereby be able to, uh, in a way, reward their shareholders. I think it's a good strategy, in my opinion, um, particularly in terms of their share price and their you know attractiveness moving forward as well. I think this is going to be something um, that's a positive turn, at least with many of these growth companies that's generally been the case. Netflix results were released after the markets closed and after hours trade, they are up more than 12%. Next up in corporate results, let's take a look at Goldman Sachs. It crushed analyst estimates, ranking in, raking in, I should say, nearly 12 billion US dollars in the fourth quarter. Jingyi, what is fueling Goldman Sachs profits? Yeah, well, so Michelle, it's been a year where I would say there's been volatility, no doubt. And for many of these brokers, traders, I think, you know, that's the kind of situation. And with Goldman Sachs as well, love their underwriting services when it comes to equities, for example, these are the strong ones. Now, fixed income market, obviously, because of the uncertainty, uh, we haven't seen so much of perhaps action as compared, but Goldman more than made it up with the rest of which the trading, the stock trading, the investment banking services. And, you know, despite all of that we have seen, yeah, there, there do looks to be quite a bit of a risk taking in the market, in, especially, you know, after the initial pandemic um, hit, the COVID-19 hit itself. And for Goldman Sachs, we did find their earnings per share coming at $12.08 US dollars. And that, you know, is compared to what the market was expecting at $7.47. It's a strong figure. Not every bank is doing so well, though. The Bank of America reported weaker profits in the last quarter as compared with a year earlier. BOA shares fell 0.7% on the news. One more corporate story I want to discuss with you before we bring the conversation back here to Singapore. General Motors says it's going to team up with Microsoft to develop self-driving electric cars. What do you make of the story, Jingyi? Are drivers and combustible uh, engines going to be a thing of the past? Yeah, so it's interesting because I was just chatting about this with Manisha earlier as well. And <laughs> that's really talking about Microsoft. So you think about Microsoft, you think about tech companies and tech companies are now moving as well. Like, you know, we've heard that with Apple as well into the car segment of things. So I think, you know, what we have seen so far with the well, General Motors and Microsoft, I think is really um, another one of these candidates getting into the car segment and trying to open up the frontier in terms of the ability to grow and come up with uh, better new devices for the matter. So on this end itself, Cruise, which is the venture that they are going to put in $2 billion of investments into, um, I think, you know, that also is going to be one using Microsoft's cloud computing platform to manage the network and also handle some of its data mapping. I think it's exciting times. Um, definitely with regards to General Motors, they have seen their share price surge after this news came through. And I think, yeah, if, if you know, one of these guys really get ahead, that's going to be the next growth um, opening up the growth frontier. Yeah, could history, could we be at a history-making inflection point, really, for uh, mass adoption of electric vehicles? GM's chairman pointing to a future world of zero crashes, zero emissions, and zero congestion. That's a high bar. All right, one more corporate story. Uh, GM shares, by the way, jumped 9.7% on the news of the company's tie-up with Microsoft to chalk up the biggest gain of any S&P 500 company. Microsoft finished up a little less than 2%. Back here in Asia, we are seeing signs that China's markets may be slowing down and Hong Kong's is picking up. Traders are apparently shifting their cash out of the mainland and the Hang Seng Index is eyeing the 30,000 mark. What do you make of this, Jingyi? 
Yeah, so it's quite an interesting trend. Yesterday, I remember um, folks were like trying to track what's really happening because you had like Singapore index, which was up about 0.4% mm-hmm. at a point of time. But the the Hong Kong Hang Seng Index had shot up more than 2% into um, late morning, early afternoon period of time. So I think there, there have been some of these reports evidently, you know, I think it, there's been this kind of shift, particularly among sentiment, among the traders in China, for example, um, and that is from, well, the Chinese market. So I'm looking at the screens, the CSI 300 actually closed down 1.5% yesterday and the Hang Seng Index up 2.7%. If you look at the stock Connect. In fact, there's been quite a lot of shift from mainland China to Hong Kong in the early hours that had really topped the previous average days, you know, that altogether. So I think on this end itself, yes, there is this kind of shift that we are seeing. Um, not a surprise as well, just because we have seen China being first in, first out, but the rest of mm. which are catching up, including Hong Kong and valuations, is certainly making themselves well attractive. Let's check in on local stocks now. The Straits Times Index finished March higher yesterday, closing a bit shy of 29.96. Jingyi, how's the SDI doing this morning and is it testing the 3,000 level again? Yeah, Michelle, I think I heard you this morning saying the world, the, well, the, the market is still flirting with the 3,000 level. I have to recycle that because that's still the situation <laughs> that we're seeing. Um, the local Straits Times Index at this point of time is actually trading near neutral, uh, down about one point, so that makes it 2,994.73. Um, still very shy of the well, 3,000 level and trying to, well, I, in my opinion, just really waiting for fresh catalysts. Yes, we did have the yellow news coming in positive, pushing stimulus and the Hong Kong market doing pretty well. But for the local Singapore market, very external driven. Now, chat we've t- discussed that earlier. Mm-hmm. And I think on that end itself, it's just waiting for that uh, fresh leads. Well, thanks for the chat, Jingyi. I'll let you warm up now. Pan Jingyi, <laughs> Senior Market Strategist from IG. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.